I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's October 20th, the year 2020. I woke up to discover the term Zoom dick trending on Twitter. That is a thing that actually happened. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'm hoping we can live up to those magical words on the latest episode of Big Squid. Welcome to today's show where we have two guests and no Zoom dicks, so that feels like a win already. Cal Wilson returns with her segment, My Proudful Shame, and Dave Thornton is here to talk about the NBA Finals. I had a couple of other things I was going to add to this episode, but it started to blow out, so I figure I'll keep them for the next couple of weeks. Some good stuff there as well, in particular, one thing with... You'll find this hard to believe. Ben Elwood, where I said, do you have five minutes on this? And 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, well, this is going to have to be a completely different segment now. But it's going to be great, and I'll share that with you later. I reckon I'll drop that and these other things between the Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar podcast that are coming up very soon. They've both been recorded as part of our Christopher Nolan rewatch, so we are getting right to the end of all of that. We've only got Dunkirk to go and then we'll do a proper review of Tenet. Hopefully, maybe people in Melbourne have seen it. We've been trying to kind of keep it going, keep pushing it out to give you guys as much time to have the cinemas reopen, but we'll see what we can do. We are taking into account that you haven't had an opportunity and places in the rest of the world who might not have had the situation where they could go and check it out, I guess. We've been pretty lucky here in Sydney. As I think I've said to you before, no one sits in front of you, no one sits behind you, no one sits next to you, and the cinemas are actually clean. It's almost like it's the perfect cinematic experience. But anyway, we'll keep an eye on how things are going as we work our way towards that. And uh, just so you know, 
Ben and I have already picked which director we're going to dig into after Nolan. And you know what? Rather than tell you who it is, why don't you swing by our Big Squid Facebook page and tell us who you think it's going to be? Just have a guess. Like, just take a shot in the dark. Actually, you know what? Maybe I should have thought this out before I started uh, to press record, but I'll give out a prize to whomever guesses correctly. So let's have a competition. That'll be fun. Uh, Anyone can enter. All you have to do is guess the next director first. So you have to be the first person to guess it. And then you win. So it's a pretty easy competition. What I'll do is I'll add a post on the Facebook page where you can place your guesses. And this will be fun. And I reckon first prize can be... uh, Something that is on my desk. Whenever I find the correct guess, whatever is on my desk, uh, you can have it. And you might think, well, that's a bit shit. But at the moment, on my desk, I have everything from a printer in working order. Anyone who's been following me for a long time. Yes, I'm as shocked as you. I have books. I have an unopened headset. Maybe I better take that off the desk before someone guesses quickly. I have pens. I have scraps of paper. I have a travel card. I don't know if it has any money on it. Anyway, I have shit on my desk and some of it might be pretty good and some of it might be good for different reasons. Anyway, let's just have some fun with it. We're getting towards the end of the year. It's been a full-on year and it'll just be fun to see who you come up with. And write why you think it's that person as well. And we'll we'll go through the answers over the podcast. It's good to chat with you. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I'm looking forward to seeing who you guess. Anyway, we're working out also a date for our next live show. So keep an ear and an eye out for those details. Hopefully I'll know something next week. I have an idea. So if I can get the date that I want then that will be fun. But yes, I'm being a bit esoteric, aren't I? There'll be more. I will reveal more as I know more. Uh, Remember, if you're enjoying our podcast, can you please leave a tickety-boo review on the Apple podcast page or whichever platform you use? I like our build-up so far. We've got more and more cool people listening, more people like you. So I want more of you, please. I like it. I like you. I want more of you. It's good fun, okay? All right, bit of a rambly opening, and we have a fair bit going on today, so let's bring in one of my favourite people, Cal Wilson. I'm really curious to know, how are you staying fit in lockdown? Are you doing yoga with Adrienne, uh, is, you've got a backyard, so are you able to do stuff out there? Well, there's a number of questions to answer in that. Uh, you sent me a, a yoga with Adrienne video, which I have not looked at. I'm going running in the, in the outside. We'll have a track um, around the creek, um, so I do that. But to, today, now this is you as an Australian can answer this question for me. Massively heavy winds this morning, like kind of almost gale force winds. And the path that I run on has big gum trees on either side. And I had a moment of going, might I die today? Was I, was I foolish to run in big winds near eucalyptus trees? Oh, no, I feel like, look, to be honest, uh, 
you might find this hard to believe. I'm no botanist. Is that the correct word? I'm not even sure of the right word. But I feel like eucalyptus trees would be pretty damn solid. I feel like you'd be fine. I think they have really shallow root systems. Um, Do they? And that they fall over. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't know, I'm going off the, I'm going off, you know, like a news story from years ago of, of kids going on a camp and one of them getting squashed by a, a falling tree. And I just thought maybe there was, there was no one else on the track this morning as to whether all of the Australians have gone, oh no, it's eucalyptus dropping season. Like, or you might get hit by a koala or something like that. <laughs> but I just, it just occurred to me, like, have I endangered myself in the pursuit of exercise? And did you get a bit panicky? I've I've done that at night when I've gone running and it's suddenly a lot darker and rather than think, well, maybe I should just walk, I I continue running at a very careful pace, fully knowing that I could go ass up at any second. Yeah, I um I I looked at all the trees. That's right. As I was running past, I was like, oh, you, you look like you've been here for a long time, but not about to snap. Um, but I, yeah, I, I was more aware than, um, and also this is the other thing that's been happening on runs. Uh, I can't remember if I said this to you last time, but uh, listening to podcasts, um, Emily Dean Walking the Dog is a fantastic podcast. To, it's two brilliant people just having a chat. You know, like she picks a different interesting person each week and they walk a dog. Um, and so I was listening to the Sarah Millican episode and there was lots of uh, planes going over because they were a obviously under the flight path and I kept on taking my earpods out to see if I was actually with a plane in real life because it just sounded so close and and real but then the other day as I was jogging a plane actually went overhead and out loud I just shouted it's a plane like I'd never (laughs) seen one like I felt like (laughs) you know when you see little kids get excited by trains or whatever like I literally out loud just shouted it's a plane I can relate to that so much because where I live my balcony Usually I see the planes at a fair distance, but I see them flying back and forth to the airport and I have barely seen a plane in months. But the first time I saw one, I was like a a slightly taller version of Tattoo from Fantasy Island. I was so (laughs) excited. There's a reference for a very very specific age group who's listening. But I, I know what you mean. It's a little bit like, oh my God, they still exist. Yeah, yeah. It felt, it felt like, you know, like nature is healing, the planes are coming back. Like it really was exciting. <laughs> there was one this morning and I didn't shout. And so I was like, oh, I'm already, I'm already used to it. Um, already blasé about it. <laughs> I'm so blasé about planes. Um, although my, my frequent flyer email notification, you know, the monthly notification uh, arrived today. And I was like, I don't need to open this. I have no points. Whereas pr- in my previous life, I was all about how many points have I got? How many points have I got? Um, You'd still have points, though, wouldn't you? Like oh, they, yeah. they haven't gone anywhere, yeah. but you just haven't really yeah. accumulated anymore. No, no. Um, uh, and also, back, to go back to your question, can I play in the back garden? Can I play? Can I exercise in the back garden? No, because Chris has put turf down. Because this is the t- this is the part of the year where he turns into suburban dad and just is obsessed about his lawn. So he's been getting mysterious parcels uh, dropped off with, like, um, fertilizer and seed and all sorts of like horrible fish smelling supplements that you put on the grass so I'm not allowed to go on the grass for two weeks for two weeks I'd be a little bit uh careful about getting big amounts of fertilizer sent to Uh. suburban (laughs) houses because doesn't that usually set off red flags to the government Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I don't think he buys the other ingredients to blow anything up, but (laughs) I mean, that's what I think because it's always the wife that goes, I had no idea. You know, I just thought, I just thought he was happy in his garage and 
something terrible has happened. <laughs> I just wasn't allowed on the grass. That's all I yeah, thought was going on. That's how I started. I had no idea. Chris is some sort of bomber. With me knowing Chris is really entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think I don't think he would ever be able to work himself into a state strong enough to want to destroy anything that much. I feel like the worst thing that would ever happen with Chris is you'd have some terse words when he saw someone coaching your son poorly in a basketball game. Yeah, or if I walked on the lawn now, I would. Yeah, if I rolled around on the lawn and was like stabbing it with a knife at the moment, he would be, there would be terse words. Yeah. <laughs> Turf words. I love it. <laughs> but are you, are you feel, how are you feeling uh, with everything? Because at least you're getting some exercise, which is great. I know a lot of people have kind of, and, and by the way, completely understandable, are at a point where they're like, eh, why get fit? I've had enough. I, I tried, and now my lounge and I are in a, a codependent relationship. We're growing into each other. Um, I, I have to do the running because I did the eating. Like I'm still, I'm still doing pandemic lockdown eating. So I'm like, I've got to, I've got to just get outside. But also, it's really good for my mental health to be outside the house. And oh my god, Digby went back to actual school this week. Like he, he is physically not at our house. He's at school, and it is amazing. And you know, don't need to say it. Obviously, love your son. Oh, totally. But a bit of bit of you time, right? Yeah, yeah. But also just how happy he is. Like he's, you know, what, what I'm loving too is that he goes to school. So he's had three days at school and he comes home and he goes, I'm just going to um, have a Zoom with one of the kids in his class. So they, they've spent all day at school together and then they go home and uh, they're on Zoom. Just to catch up on what might have happened on the walk, I guess, between the time that school finished and <laughs> now. How good were friendships back then when you were... Yeah hang out all day and you think, oh, you know what, I really I really miss Ben Donathorn. I might go and catch up with him now uh, that school's finished. <laughs> <laughs> and being excited to get a phone call, like, or, or knowing what their phone number was. Oh, yeah. Now if a friend calls too often, I'm either, A, thinking this is a bit needy, like, calm down, like, yeah. you know, we're, we're grown-ups, or what's, what's happened? <laughs> yes, what's happened? That's the one. I got a, a call, which I must um, chase up, but it was a friend from New Zealand ringing, and I was like, hmm, why is she ringing? We only text. Yes. Was that, what's, what's up? What have you done? How sad that you often see calls from people now or text messages from people you haven't seen for a while, and your first thought is, someone's dead. Someone's dead. Do I pick up now? Do I answer now? I'm in a pretty good mood. Oh, you know what? I should do the right thing. I found a missed call from Charlie Pickering. I hadn't spoken to Charlie for a while. And the way he was talking, you know, Charlie's got the dulcet tones. And I called him back immediately, saying, is everything okay? And he was like, yeah, I just haven't had an opportunity to speak to you for a while and just wanted to say hello. But everything was so, hello, Justin Hamilton, it's Charlie Pickering here. <laughs> and, and he was just he was just kind of being amusing, but I just took it immediately that yeah. everyone we knew was dead and we were the last two left alive. I yeah. just jumped to conclusions yeah. and they were all awful. It's like if you look on, um, if I look on Twitter and I look, look on trends and I see someone's name, I'm like, what have they said or how did they die? Oh. That's, like, it's one of those two things. Yeah, I, I did that today with Ice Cube, and then I saw that he's uh, supporting Donald Trump, and I was like, oh. oh. In a weird way, I wish he died. <laughs> no, I don't want you. I, but, no. you know, of course I yeah, don't yeah. mean that specifically, but no. Ice Cube, fuck the police. What are you talking about, mate? Why? Yeah, what? what is happening? Did you see Trump dancing to YMCA at his rally? Amazing. 
Amazing. Amazing. Amazing. Just I will always have a soft spot for the village people uh, because <laughs> I remember with my or- uh, already mentioned friend Ben Donathorn going to see Can't Stop the Music uh, at the cinema and thinking, wow, that that uh, labourer, is it the labourer? Hang on, there's the policeman. The construction the, worker. The construction worker. I remember yep. thinking the construction worker in the song Love You to Death was like, man, he really seems to attract a lot of women. And... <laughs> Not not realising for a long time that they were incredibly gay. But I, the village people stayed at the hotel I was working at when I was like 19. And so I would go and watch them perform at this gig that was like an hour out of, <laughs> hour out of the city. And then we would go to Adelaide's uh, gay bar at the time, the Mars Bar. And I, like I would have the Indian... Uh, the American Indians say, Justin, where's my breakfast? You know, and I had a really good time <laughs> with them. Amazing. So to see Donald Trump dancing to their music and possibly not having any idea that what he was dancing yeah. to was yeah. created just, by people can... he does not support enough was yes. beautiful. Um, can I just say that I'm really offended that we have known each other for how many years and you have never, ever told me that you hung out with the village people? Oh, Really? Yeah, that's, I'm so sorry. That's one of the big leads. That's the one that you lead with. Oh, well, I'll, I'll lean into it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't remember if we've had this conversation before, but like Russell, uh, our friend Russell Fletcher. Yes. I think we'd known each other for nearly 20 years before he casually mentioned that he had nearly been killed by a coconut. Oh, yes, you've told me that. Yeah. Yes. Like, lead with that. Lead with it. Lead with the coconut. Lead with the village people. Yeah. If you if you were nearly killed by a coconut thrown by one of the village people, like how perfect? You would actually be saying, "Oh God, he's telling the coconut village people story again." Yeah, I would be telling that all the time. <laughs> but so one of one of the uh, one of the highlights of uh, being nineteen is dancing on a dance floor with the village people, surrounded by uh, flashing lights, Kylie playing smoke or amel. Or a mixture of both in the air. <laughs> it does sound. It does sound like a scene from a film. Like it sounds a, yes. like a coming of age movie. Yes, yes. You know, actually, oh, that's what we should do. We should pitch the village people this idea, which is a movie about them ending up in a small town in Australia. Hashtag Adelaide, and they meet a nineteen-year-old boy who's having trouble with you know he can let, let, let's give him a really full-on background like his you know his dad's an alcoholic his mum's a drug addict he's trying to keep them together and he's fallen in love with a girl at the hotel and he doesn't know how to express it and the village people help him find the confidence to uh, amazing <laughs> fall in love like Netflix would pony up 50 million for that totally Surely. totally <laughs> It's like a semi-sequel to You Can't yeah. Stop the Music. Start up the music. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Start- <laughs> Could you play the music again, please? Yeah, yeah. Start up the music. The semi-sequel to You Can't Stop the Music. I reckon you know who we could get in a in a cameo on a Zoom call to give the final push? Steve Gutenberg. Because Gutenberg oh, is amazing. Yes. He's so funny. Yeah. He's the egg of the recipe of a film from the 80s. <laughs> isn't he? Like, he's the thing that binds. It's always Steve Gutenberg. And I've seen, like, he did something on John Oliver, and he was funny as, and I reckon you could get him in a cameo talking to the young boy to give him a pep up, and I reckon 
when the when he finishes with the Zoom call and then you see it from his perspective, he's still wearing the denim shorts he was wearing when he's riding the roller skates in <laughs> Can't Stop the Music. He's still wearing the <laughs> denim shorts and, and the rolling skates. Great, great. Roller oh. skates making a massive comeback. Oh, are they really? Yes, yes. Lots of people skating on Instagram. Oh, are they are they old school uh, roller old skates school. or are they blades? No, they they kind of like I've seen a few pastel ones, like yeah. like their their I think their new retro roller skates. They look great. They're not the roller skates that we had, which was just the like the skate with the two straps, and then you just strapped it to your shoe and skated on those. Like, did you ever have those roller skates? What a dangerous application that yep. I had a lot of fun with, and then would <laughs> hang from the with a rope from the back of a friend's push bike who would then ride the push bike. Amazing. Can you hear that uh, noise in the background? No. Can you hear that noise in the background? No. Is that, Are you having lift excavation still? Oh, no, not at the moment, thank goodness. Oh, that's good. Did I ever play you what it actually sounds like when it's right on? So for, for people uh, listening at home, they're, they're fixing the lift in my block of, a, of flats, apartments, and it's starts at seven in the morning and finishes at four at night but it's on and off so you don't quite know and because I've had a job for the last four weeks uh, you know and that contract finished uh, and so I came back and when it, when the noise started up the other day I was like what is this I was like, I've been away for four weeks uh, but the noise is let's see if I can play this uh. and that is legitimately from my bedroom, like because the lift is right next to my bedroom. So once it starts in the morning, you're a little bit like, guess what? I'm up. I'm up. Yep. yep. And time to get to it. Beautiful. Uh, I, I think we've got people over the back fence renovating and they're, they're drilling right. something at the moment. But if you can't hear it, that's brilliant. I wonder if that sound that you just played us is what it must sound like to be a tooth, you know, like at the <laughs> dentist. Like if you were a tooth, that's what probably what the drill would sound like. <laughs> We're just going to remove and the tooth is sitting there yeah. having a nice time and suddenly it's shit, like... Shit, Oh, shit. Wizzy, can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, well, I hate to say this, guys, but I reckon I'm leaving <laughs> as the tooth is removed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They've, they've strangled C-22. <laughs> Not C-22. He was our leader. The, the molar of molars. That's a very funny idea. I do like the idea of that being the worst noise that a tooth could hear. Yeah. What other body parts would you be wrapped to know had a had an a sentient life that you didn't know about? How? Um, what sort of life would you have as an armpit? It would be depressing because you'd constantly, you know, uh, have like hair in your mouth. <laughs> But also just like sweat, like you'd hope that the armpit had no nose, like, or do, or would the armpit be like, oh, fuck, I love it when he gets this uh, much adrenaline. It is delicious. Like, maybe it's like we're sweating, we're sweating. Come on, guys! Yeah, come but, on, guys! Just another few drops. Come on! Like with it's like dragon boat racing, but in your armpit, <laughs> like you've got a, a coxswain who's just egging you on the whole time. Yeah, they really believe in their job. Maybe that's how yeah. an armpit lives. Like my immediate thought was, oh, if I was an armpit, that would be awful. But if I was an armpit, maybe I'd be wrapped. It'd be like, and you'd like the conversations you could have with the other armpit, like where there's a competition. See, because my armpits, like, because I don't know whether you're like this. When I'm on stage, I get like the the stage sweat, like the adrenaline sweat. 
but one of my armpits does more than the other. So it's like uneven, uneven adrenaline, where there's like some kind of competition going on between hemispheres of my body. <laughs> Maybe they're talking each other. Come on, Gary, you could sweat more. Get yeah. it out. <laughs> You're not pulling your weight. Come on, we're all relying on you. Come on. The shin bone would have an interesting life because the shin bone gets to admire your shoes and gets to be, you know, gets to keep have a look at your socks and your clothes, gets a little bit of sun now and yep. again, which is nice, but also gets covered up in, in winter. And then now and again, just every so often will be smashed into a tow bar and have an excruciating pain. <laughs> yep. So it's for the yep. most part a pretty good life, but just now just and again. occasional, yeah. Moments of awfulness. Yeah. Would you would you accept that type of life? Like if, if you, like say you die, you go to wherever we go after this life and you're given the option of returning as a body part and, and like the pros and cons laid out of everything and you got offered shin bone, would you take it? Look, I feel like I... Uh... I feel like the shin bone is probably not a bad way to go because it would help define the great moments in your life. The 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 few <laughs> times that you got rammed into a tow bar would be the moments where you'd be in such excruciating pain, but the next time that whoever you belong to put on a new pair of shoes that were really great, you'd really appreciate those shoes because you could yeah, contrast yeah. them against the absolute pain that you felt. So what a lovely way to look at it. I'll, I'll try and put in a word for you if this is the scenario that we yeah. <laughs> that we end up in. Uh, I just uh, just between you and me, I know that he was keen on the shin bone. I'm just saying, yeah. like you don't have to yeah. follow through with it. Yeah, and left all right. He's not picky. He just thought the shin bone was okay. Like maybe left. I don't know why I had this superstition, but when I used to play basketball, I always had to put my left shoe on first. But then probably your karma would be to be the right shin to always experience being second. That is exactly how my next shin life will probably go <laughs> on the right. <laughs> anyway, So there was a reason I wanted to talk to you about specifically about fitness because we've, we've had some people write in for us. Oh, excellent. Which excellent. is great because, because our last, our last write in was fantastic. Oh, it was. So Tim, Tim, the, the music teacher who had accidentally forced uh, another teenager out of the band that they played drums in <laughs> without noticing. So good. I, I can't tell you how much joy that story brought me just in everyday life as well. Like, you know, <laughs> eating a sandwich and I think of that story and go, oh yeah, because I could completely relate to really having that sitting in the back of my head for a long time. Yep, yep. And it was the perfect example of what we were talking about. Yeah, the, the things that keep you awake at night, like the, the, the tiny shames that you revisit far too often. So what have you got for me? So we have uh, Michelle Lucas has written to us, and, and this is uh, shame and pride all wrapped up together. So six years ago, Michelle agreed to go on a four-day hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back up with her aunt and a group of her friends. And her aunt, Uberfit, a really experienced hiker, and she spent 18 months putting off the trip, just putting it off. And I can understand that as well because it seems like a lot of it. Like the Grand Canyon, yeah. like, like it's all in the name. It's grand and it's a canyon. Yep. It's, not, it's not a little trek. You can go on a helicopter and do yes. it in a few, you know, like you can do that. Just sit. Yeah. <laughs> you can sit down. You can sit down in the sky 
you can sit down in the sky and just look out and see how grand it is. And also, I reckon it's a little bit intimidating, don't you, to have a family member who is obviously older because it's her aunt, who's also really fit and really experienced. Like, would you rather go with someone who was in, like, their job was to do that and then you have to keep up with them or would you rather go with a family member? Oh, I think I would rather go with a guide. I'd rather go with a guide that wasn't related to me uh, and that didn't that told me interesting things but wasn't one of those, yeah, come on, come on, you're just going to climb up this ravine. Like I don't want one of those outdoorsy types that you always get as a guide or, you know, like the people that run bungee jumping are always too happy to run bungee jumping. Like I, I want like a, a quiet, thoughtful guide um, who maybe reads from a slim volume of poetry that they've written. Oh, nice! They're their own, their own fire. Yes, their own. Like you know, like they, they've written, um, they've written a beautiful poem about the day that we've just had. Like a, you know, a lovely haiku. It doesn't have to be long, um, and like, and is a great chef. Like he's a great campfire chef. Like I want. That's what I don't want to be going with my aunt who. Um, We'll be able to bring up things from your world. You know, we always knew you weren't into fitness when you got your head stuck in that billy tin. You know, like there's like they'd have the old stories about you as a kid. Like they'd be, oh, remember that time? Like I don't want to go on the, I don't want to go on a strenuous activity with that person because I come from the um, the idea of like, isn't isn't it nice to sit down? That's my like, yeah. If if the if you could get fit by just sitting, I would do it. What a great way to get fit. I suppose people get there when you're sitting on a bicycle, but that's still too much, still too much. That's still too much. But I, I agree, you don't want the family member either because no. also when you're struggling, it's kind of like the last time that you want to reminisce as well, don't you think? Yeah. Like even if they're bringing up good things, it's still yeah. – or family politics. What are your family like? Do they bring up – do they have little niggles at each other to you? really but I as a kid I was really compared to my other cousins by my grandmother like you know and and that like it made a huge impact on me because it was always like oh well your cousin's already done that and she's much better at it than you are like there was always kind of like there was the, the kids were pitted against each other um so yeah and so like the idea of going on a hike with relatives is like oh I'm just gonna be shamed for not being, my legs aren't long enough for the trek, and I've got blisters, and I shouldn't have brought those boots. And like it, like it, it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't. You know, go for a walk, go for a hike with Digby. That's really fun because he's complaining all the time. Like it's and it's fun. Yeah. Oh yes. I mean, he, and he's super fit usually, but because of lockdown, there hasn't been sports seven days a week. And then he's like, we've been going for family walks, and that is yeah, it, it's really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he probably would prefer to just run, wouldn't he? Or like be chasing a ball rather than like it's almost yeah, like yeah. it's exercise, but for a young fella, it's too constrained. Yeah. And you should be doing something. There should be exercise, accidental exercise, doing something you enjoy. But because he broke his wrist and was in a cast for five weeks, he couldn't do he couldn't do fun stuff anyway. And so I was like, we've just got to get out of the house. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, and like if you said to him, would you want to go on a hike with your aunt, as much as he loves his aunt, he would be like, uh, there is no fucking way that's going to happen. He wouldn't say fucking way, but... No, the furrow in the brow would suggest that in the future, that's what he would say. 
<laughs> so so Michelle Lucas, so so Michelle, uh, our letter writer inner. Yeah, and you know, just putting off this this four four days as well. Four days. And she feels bad about it. Uh, spent eighteen months before the the trip, putting off, just kind of putting it off, and also putting off getting fit for it as well. Yeah, it's, right. Is there is there a turning point in in your fitness? Like I always know that there's always a point where I look in the mirror and it's and you look and you just go, ah, oh, that's looking a little bit like a candle that's been burning for too long. Time to <laughs> go and get fit again. Yes, yeah, well, totally. And like over lockdown, it's been like, oh, these pants are tight. Oh, and coincidentally, these pants are also tight. And yeah, like trying on a number of garments and going, well, oh, and also just not having a waist. That's what it is. It's it's going, I, I no longer have a waist. Not I can't even do the high waist thing. I'm just like a little block. Um, yeah, so that was the turning point. Have you ever had it on stage? I've had it on stage where I've realised my fitness is not at its best. I had a routine once where I used to use the full stage. It was a story about a tram, and I'd use the full stage to maximum effort. And I remember getting to one side of the stage and hoping that the next joke got a big enough laugh because I, <laughs> at that point, realised that my fitness was so bad that I had to walk to the other side of the stage and I needed time to catch my breath. And so I <laughs> got a big laugh and I was like, okay, get your breath in. <laughs> so I got to the other end and then could do the rest of the routine. And that was one of those moments where I'd been on, I think it was a road show. So, you know, yep. very little opportunity to get exercise. And it was at that point that I suddenly went, guess what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm getting up at six and I'm starting to get back on track. Because if I'm yeah. unfit on stage, that is an awful place to be unfit. Yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had little moments like that where you do something physical, you do like a like a funny act out or something, and you're like, oh, it's a little, I'm a little bit puffed. That shouldn't oh, that shouldn't be happening. Jeez, I need some big laughs here. Yeah, <laughs> the thing that I'm discovering now is that so so it seems that my nerves like always have a different way of expressing themselves. So um, it used to be that my nose ran like when I was feeling really nervous about something, I my nose would just run like I'd always have to. Um, before I went on stage, sometimes, I don't know, I don't know, Just I just would have a runny nose. That stopped, and now I get dry mouth. So now, now um, it's horrible. So, so um, and I don't know whether also whether it's like an age thing, but, yeah, like I'm like, oh, I just must always be with a glass of water now because there's nothing worse than walking on stage, corporate gig, cavernous room, 900 insurance agents or whatever, uh, and then being like just – uh, uh, horrid. It's horrid. the worst feeling, and normally, like it's usually, you know, when you're having a bad gig. <laughs> yeah, but dry this mouth. is just yeah. And then because it is usually a symptom of a bad gig, but it's not yeah. a bad gig. But your brain goes, "Oh, we must be having a terrible time because you're getting all the the symptoms, the triggers, kind of thing." Yeah, so I haven't walked on stage yet. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It, it always feels like. Do you remember the Warner Brothers cartoon? It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a rare one where I think the two dogs, I think it's like a mouse dog and a cat chasing each other, and the mouse puts like a stamp on the dog and cat's mouth so they can't open their mouths anymore to attack each other and attack him, and it's and it's and it always look gluey, and that's the image I've always had in my head as soon as I get that dry mouth situation. 
and, it, is and that. especially down the back of the throat as well, where you're like, oh, oh I'm going to start coughing. Oh, that's the worst. That is the worst. Coughing on stage, the worst. Oh, I once when I was working with <laughs> just winning a glass of water. We've turned into a radio play. Um, <laughs> I remember working with Terry Siakis on Triple J and we were filling in on breakfast and, you know, the you know the third hour of breakfast radio is you're hungry and you just need to get through yep. it. And I think I just had like a like a tiny bag of Doritos and I a song was playing and then was eating a chip and the song was coming to an end and I literally had a crumb land on my vocal cord that took away my voice. So if you were listening at home, you would have heard me saying, that's the new one by the Foo Fighters. And my voice was gone. And Terry did exactly what you should do as a comedian in that scenario. She made merciless fun of me and did not help out at all. And it was great. (laughs) Just her pointing on the other side, just laughing at me, just going, are you going to do anything? And her laughing and saying, no, no, this is on you. Amazing. Amazing. It's, It's weird too. Like now we're doing lots of online gigs the things that um, the things that are new things to worry about, you know, like I with the first um, mosque gig I hosted online, my iPad just fell down, so it just fell over, and so I've never had to worry about I've never had to worry about just disappearing from view before on stage, like there's and and then how unprofessional does that look when you've just tipped tipped it forward and then there's all the horrible kind of noises of getting things set up again, hands on microphones, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, or, or like, you know, the connection going. I, I was doing a chat with Mel Buttle on uh, the ABC that night in Brisbane and my phone just cut out. And then I was like, to me, my phone's just cut out, but I know exactly what's happening in that studio. And the producer being like, oh, my God. Like, it's like those moments in radio are just the longest time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's seconds. Like, it's seconds yeah. to fix it. Uh, just getting back to your iPad falling over, the other thing is is that you don't just naturally – oh, that's tipped over and pick it up and flip it back. It's like the panic. Like it is yeah. it is. you're hitting the microphone and you're trying to get things upright and all you need to do is go clonk and it would be fine. Yeah. But that sudden adrenaline of, oh, what's happening? I've got to fix oh, this. Oh, oh, no. oh, I've, I've muted myself. I've muted myself. You know, like not being yeah. able to. Yeah, not knowing how everything works still. I hope Mel had said something funny and then didn't get any response from you when you dropped out and she had that <laughs> that moment of awful panic of, have I just finally accidentally offended a close friend? Like, have I yeah, finally... Yeah. Was that the line? It was the line. <laughs> I discovered it on air. So, uh, so Michelle, uh, 18 months of putting off this trip which I can completely understand, mm-hmm. and nearly cancelled three times. And this was even after she bought plane tickets. And they had paid for guides and accommodation. So, Wow, this is a very patient aunt too. This is the aunt. Yeah, the aunt's just waiting for Michelle yeah. while she uh, she gets it together. But I have you ever paid – like this is a weird thing to say, and I feel like mm-hmm. this is an awful thing to say during a pandemic when we can't travel – but I have sometimes paid for holidays and a few weeks out thought, fuck, I could just really cancel it because I can't be asked." And then once I go on the holiday, it's great. But just the lead up, I, I think that's a very yeah. natural thing to have where you go, I just don't know about this. 
Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see too when we go back, when we go back to some kind of a new normal of how how we travel now. Like, is it masks on planes forever? I'd be quite up for mandatory masks on planes because the amount of times that I've gotten sick on a plane is innumerable. Yeah. Um, Alice Fraser said a great thing the other day. She said uh, that she disinfects, she's been disinfecting the mic that she uses when she does like shows at Edinburgh or whatever. And she's like, since she started doing that, she's never been sick at a festival. And I was like, oh yeah, things to think about now. Like we all just share a mic. Well, we did all used to share a mic. It's, I mean, it's already different now when we, and, and you've, have you done live gigs like as part from your own, have you? Or is that the only have you done Big Squid or have you done, like, Line Up? I've only done Giant Dwarf and they put down a microphone for each act. Ah, yeah, and right. so I actually have a gig tomorrow night uh, on the 16th of October and I'm curious to know what that's going to be like. What I yeah. did notice was at one gig that I went to, they had, they had mics for everybody, but they had the same mic stand. Oh, interesting, yeah. So you're just touching the same... Is is still touching, yeah, and it's like take away the mic snap, and then this situation is is perfect. But you know, I think Alice is that's a really smart move. I know Mm. someone who had to share a room once with someone who had really bad halitosis and was smelling it on the mic and was having to Glen Twenty it before every gig. Wow, Um, the radio station at the university that I went to was a very male environment. Like I think. There was at one stage the entire sort of office of production was male, and I used the um, phone in there once, and the handset just smelled like man, like it was really it was like oh this is a conglomerate of sweaty men in their twenties, like it really was like oh uh, uh, uh. oh that is awful, <laughs> what an awful smelling yeah. phone. I've told you that I've told you the bathrobe story, haven't I? Being on being on tour, I was supporting Ellen Carr. Uh, lovely, lovely, fun time, and we were at a fancy schmancy hotel, I think in Canberra. And I was dyeing my hair like d- before the gig that night because you know, obviously, you've got to keep your hair looking good. Uh, and so I put on a hotel bathrobe so that I could just jump straight in the shower after I dyed my hair, which is like with shampoo. I, you don't, you don't need to know how I dye my hair. I've, I've got tangled up in an, oh, it's an old person story. Anyway, so I was putting the colour back in my hair and uh, I was wearing this bathrobe and I was like, man, I I must have, like, worked up a sweat. I don't know why I smell, I mean, I haven't done anything at me for a while. Why do I smell so bad? I really, oh, I'm so, ugh, why do I smell so bad? And then I lifted the robe and I smelled the robe and it wasn't me that smelled sweaty, it was the robe it was this hotel bathrobe that looked beautiful but smelled like a man had done exercise in it. Like, And then I was like, oh, I've had a stranger's sweat all over my body. Like it was so it was so disgusting. Like I got out of it straight. I was like, ah! Like got straight out of it. I had a shower. And then I went down to reception and I was just like, there's not really anything you can do about this now, but I just have to let you know that I just put a robe on and it stank of strange men. Like it just... And the receptionist was horrified. She's like, but there's nothing you can do. Like, I don't need a better room or anything like that. But it's just like, oh, yuck, I've just, uh, uh, I've been wearing somebody else's sweat. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that receptionist should have just come straight up in a hazmat suit and burnt Yeah. <laughs> that room should have been 
closed off like that like that's the ghost room now at that hotel yeah. like that no, no one else can go in that room it's done it's done it's that done. room is over oh god that is awful and then i was like so how has this happened because it was all neatly done up on the rack you know how when they're, they're on a hanger and they've got the the um tie wrapped around they're all neat and they, it looked pristine so has a, a housekeeper gone i can't be fucked the robe looks fine and put it back and readjusted it, or has is there someone that goes around and sweats in bathrobes and then puts them back? Like, is it a, is it laziness or a fetish that I've just encountered? I reckon, in hindsight, like immediately, I just I figured it was the first part where maybe it was put back on. You know, maybe the person was actually a pretty neat and tidy person. Put it back on the rack and the housekeeper has just seen that the cord was loose so they've done up the cord and left it but it could be a fetish could be a gross awful fetish of some guy who just likes to leave his taint on shit in hotel It's sort of like a really gross human version of when cats rub their cheeks on things. Like yeah. you know, when the, a cat will rub its cheek. Normally yeah. that's okay. It's not like they put their sweat glands inside your clothes. Yeah. But. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, I own that hotel room now. Yeah. Just traveling about. Oh, it's so gross. I'm really cognizant of male smell. And I think it's because of being raised by a single mum. Yeah, yeah. You know, and hanging out with women who, women their senses are just better. They just, they hear better, they smell better, they taste, you know, more yep. precise, etc. And mum and her friends would just be like, oh, the smell of men, you know, especially when we were all teenagers and becoming oh. men and we went from just being sweaty boys to, oh, what is that pungent smell? Yep. And I got, I feel like I got from, inadvertently from mum, I got that where I can't cope with that man smell. And so I always try mm-hmm. to be as clean as possible and wear deodorant and, and aftershave or whatever just to, you know, not smell like a man. And I probably have a taste in men, even though I'm heterosexual from years of <laughs> listening to all the women talk about what's handsome. So if you were to say yeah, to me, yeah. oh, what's, what's a handsome guy to you? I'd say, well, they've got to have nice eyes and good cheekbones. <laughs> but I reckon that comes from <laughs> listening to yep, mum and yep. her friends for years. You're like the um, you're like the decoy duck, like you're the the you're you're not you kind of lure other ducks in. No, I'm giving you the wrong metaphor. I've given you the wrong analogy. What are you like? You're like a you're like a, you've seen behind the veil of womanhood, kind of thing, of heterosexual womanhood. It's uh, it comes in handy. <laughs> At least I don't smell. That's uh, that's yeah. the good thing. So poor Michelle. 18 months of putting it off. Do you know, this story This story is lasting for 18 months. That's what's happening. Oh, yeah, like, I know. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. T- <laughs> turns out I'm really good at tangents, but there's all this stuff in there. But anyway, so she finally books it in, and she's got six weeks, and this is in 2016, mm-hmm. that she has to go on this thing. So she finally backed herself, got herself a personal trainer in an altitude training gym. I reckon that is so impressive because when I wow. first read it, I just went, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, so you, but in an altitude out yeah. training gym, that's. Smart. I mean, that is that is that is smart, but also doesn't the canyon go down rather than up? Like, so wouldn't she need like a like low altitude rather than high altitude? So I think from so 
the next bit, she's she said that they she made the whole trip, and at the top of the climb, I cried. I was so proud of myself because I didn't think I could do it, and I was so embarrassed not to be as fit as everyone else, and hard on myself because that was definitely my fault. But at the end, it didn't matter because I managed to do it anyway. And so I reckon they must have gone down and across and up. So that's how I kind of yeah yeah. It. Well, I feel like Michelle. Why Michelle's got nothing to feel shame about because she did finally do it. I guess it's the, the like the procrastination part of it, maybe. But getting an altitude trainer or an alti- going to a trainer in altitude gym, like that's that's showing initiative. I understand the procrastination. Like I, I don't think she should feel any shame over that. I actually. I actually feel maybe what she's talking about is she felt the shame for 18 months of... Oh, preemptive shame. Yep. Right. And then and then that was all washed away once she finally managed to do it. But the, and, and also like the whole um, feeling a shame that she wasn't as fit as everyone else. You could flip that around and go, they would have been doubly proud of you because they were fitter, but you still did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I definitely. feel like I'm... I'm I feel like I'm talking to Digby. This is the sort of thing I say to him. <laughs> Let's try and flip that around. Um, yeah, but like what? And what a what a great achievement that would also lead you in your euphoria to sign up for something equally unpleasant. Like, like you might go, "Oh, I'm doing Kilimanjaro next." Like that kind of you have to watch that. I reckon the the euphoria of success making you go and do something else. Oh, I'm going to swim with crocodiles in the Amazon. You really have to tamper that, that <laughs> feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like I've yeah. I've had that as well. Oh, I've done this. Now I'm going to do this. And then halfway yeah. through the next thing you're thinking, oh, no, I was just really happy with the last bit. Yeah, well, that's the, I mean, that's a metaphor for stand-up as well, isn't it? Like when you have a great gig, you're like, oh, I could go on and do another show. <laughs> like right now, everyone stay. And then you do it the next night. I know. The the thing that I'm maybe shouldn't admit and is probably a little bit unfair because you know you you're not able to perform at the moment, but what I've discovered with rooms reopening is that to be honest there's just been some acts that I've been really fucking happy not to see. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really feel like like not even not even people I overly dislike, but I don't need to yeah. be on a bill with them for the whole night for three nights in a row. And I'm sure people feel the same way about me. So I'm not saying I'm above that, but from my perspective, there's just some people who go, oh, I just can't be fucked seeing them again. Like while I was seeing them all the time, I was fine because it's like, well, that's just who they are and that's what they do. And that's their idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic ways of approaching things. And now I'm a little bit like, ah, yeah. Oh, I don't really want to waste my contact on someone I don't like. That kind of like, why would? It? Yeah, the the yeah the the um the thing Claire and I Claire Hooper and I were talking about this the other day about how because we've been doing online gigs, so like corporate events and stuff, and uh, we're saying how weird it is that you stop the gig, you hang up, and then you're just at your house, like that just. You just back into, like, yesterday I did one that was for, like, a medical supplies company, and it was a really great gig, and, and doing a Q&A session, and they were they were really fun and funny and everything like that, and then it was like, yeah, I've just done a gig, and then I just walk out, and it's like, can we have bolognese? Like, the, 
just the there's none of that winding down in the green room with everyone like oh yeah did you, oh my god did you see that guy in the second row that was asleep or you know like there's none of that kind of let's kind of get all this adrenaline out I guess I guess there's not um enough opportunity to show off you know after when you're euphoric after a good gig there's no one like I can't go to my son um did you see that really great wordplay I did on wound care like he's yeah. not he wasn't there like <laughs> yeah no I said can we have bolognese <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's funny. Also, part of the joy of doing a good gig is heading home. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Like the, the process of heading home. Oh, I've done yeah. a good gig. I'm, I'm a good away gig. home I'm replaying, now. I'm replaying that little bit and I'm replaying that little bit. and This is great. Yeah. And then it's like instead, you're, you're finished. Open the door. I'm there. Like, <laughs> so we started, what Claire and, Claire and I have started doing is we just text each other after our gigs. And have like a little moment to decompress before we go out. I mean, I think it will be hard. What will be hard will be going back to dressing both halves of me for performing because because at the moment I'm just in uh, leggings and Ugg boots and then nice fancy top. But then you know, yeah, it's going to be a change. Parking. I'm not looking forward to parking. Oh God, no. Well, I don't drive, but parking <laughs> looks really annoying. That's one of the many reasons I don't drive. Parking yeah. looks really like so i've got relatively smooth skin and i think it's because i've never driven and i haven't <laughs> i haven't had to i haven't had the worry of looking for a park i haven't had the worry yeah. of did i just go through did i just get flashed uh yeah 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 you know oh no i'm not going to get back to my car in time and the parking's going to run out. like i haven't had any of that and yeah. i put it down I, to not driving <laughs> yeah i thought you were going to say i don't drive so i find parking really difficult like it's the one thing you do with your car is just park it. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like Michelle shouldn't have any shame. She should be proud. Michelle should be totally proud. Um, and she should take uh, from the fact that she procrastinated for 18 months that her family really loves her. Like that they waited, like the aunt didn't go, fuck this, I'm just going to go and canyon myself. Yes. But yes, this is a feel-good story. Yeah, yeah. No shame necessary in any part of it. Um, uh, I, I'm excited because, um, I actually sent Tim from our, from our last letter. I sent the thing that I said I was going to send to him. I sent it. Whereas normally, normally, I mean, I didn't send it until yesterday, but I did send it. I was like, I can't look at Justin and not have sent him his little packet of, yes, I put 40 cards in it. Michelle, if, yeah, if, you, if, Michelle, if Michelle wants five out of date footy cards from my show in 2007 and a thank you card. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. From my show in 2008. <laughs> yes, with a stamp. Yes, I did. I filled the stamp in. And then I, then I had a moment of doubt where I was like, did we actually talk about the stamp and the footy cards? Or have I just sent him a random collection of objects that he'll be like, I mean, she seemed nice, but she's a little bit off. <laughs> No, we definitely mentioned it, so we'll be getting that. So, Michelle, you you have to email me, uh, uh, send me a direct message with your uh, address and we will get that sent to you. I also just like to think that when Michelle got to the top, because she said she got to the top and she was crying, I'm picturing her like Tim Robbins when he escapes from the Shawshank and just standing there, yes. Um, and what also that means is that one day she'll meet up with Morgan Freeman, which is nice. Oh. And like. who wouldn't want to hang out with Morgan Freeman <laughs> and his dulcet tones? Yes, I'd just be getting him to read stuff. Could you read yeah. that as well, please, Morgan? And that, can you read that? You know, can you follow me around and narrate my life? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you, Morgan. Um, this is this is completely apropos of nothing, but I wanted to tell you that this is my little, not shame exactly, but my slight... Um, my slight miscalculation. So I bought these amazing um, jigsaw puzzles from Sad Man Studio. Uh, if you look up Sad Man Studio on Instagram, they're really fantastic. And it's so it's this beautiful puzzle, thousand pieces, because that's the right size. And it's called, oh, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's basically um, life is hard in lockdown. So it's got the, all these great little, um, like it's, it's just a city. It's a it's a picture of a city, and it's got lots of little people doing things. It's a bit kind of Slightly Richard Scarry, kind of there's something in that vein. But what I didn't notice in the picture until I bought it uh, is that there, there are lots of naked people in the windows and uh, there's lots of there's fantastic uh, women hanging out the windows with their boobs just flying. It's really gorgeous, really gorgeous. But also um, I bought one of these for Claire and one for myself um, and we have children and I don't know whether um, – I want to show them someone having a lovely blowy just yet. Like it's it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous illustration. I'm going to hold that up so you can see that picture. Two dudes having a great time, but I'm like, I reckon we're just going to get asked questions that I don't know whether I don't know whether I'm um, ready to have that conversation. So just just tell Digby that the guy's got a really droopy ear, and the guy's trying to talk into it so he can hear him properly. <laughs> I could just say it's a microphone. He's got a lovely... It's a microphone. It's a microphone, but it's quite directional, so you have to be quite up close to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, well, make, who Make can sure I, you can... spray it with Glenn 20. <laughs> no, no, he is Glenn 20. Um, oh. <laughs> his Tinder profile, Glenn, comma, 20. Uh, so, so it's really gorgeous, but it, it really made me laugh when I got it because I was like, oh, look at that. There's, there's acrobatics. There's just... And they, like, genuinely, it is such a beautiful illustration, but I'm like, it is, it has got some hidden pieces to it that I was not aware of. That is so funny. So what you're saying is, uh, in the next week, I should expect two packages from you and Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's perfect. Double jigsaw. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no kids around here. <laughs> I can make both of them. <laughs> when was that? When, <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen your face the first time you notice those things as well well yeah because it's so because i do love the style of illustration it's it is so lovely and you're going oh look there's some oh it's got lots of people more people oh some boobs oh 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 a lovely oh. blow like 
God, that um, is the best. Yes, it is the best. But yeah, Sadman Studio, is, he does really gorgeous stuff and, and these fantastic little tiles that have affirming messages on them. But yeah, yeah a little bit more than I bargained for. And because I was going, I might get one for my neighbour who's 65. And then I was like, maybe I won't. Or maybe it's the perfect thing for her. Maybe, maybe it's people just sporting themselves with joy. Maybe that's exactly what every elderly person needs. Absolutely. Like 65, like maybe they're still having some sexy thoughts and they could use a sexy <laughs> jigsaw puzzle. Well, only four more years to have the sexy age. Right. So, so close. <laughs> okay, in four years' time, she's getting that for her birthday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast today. Where can people find you? And do you have, uh, do you have anything coming up that... Uh, people can, like, I know you're doing a lot of corporate stuff, but is there more stuff yeah. that people can see you at? Not this week. I don't think I've got anything to plug, except for my books. I'll just keep plugging George and the Great Bum Stampede and George yep. and the Great Brain Swappery uh, yep. for children. Uh, it was book week at a school the other day, and I got sent a photograph of the teacher who had dressed up as Professor, Professor Pippa Pepperton, who's one of the characters oh, from my books. Great. And I was thrilled. It's like, a, yeah, I will never get over that. Oh, that's so cool! That must—that's a thrill, right? Like that's a—that's yeah. a—that's a thrill, you know. Not to be dismissive, but with stand-up, you know, having a good gig—you've had—you've had thousands of good gigs, and of course, it always feels great. But that's a—that's something yeah. new. Yeah, it's this, it's such a beautiful compliment. I went to my uh, first writers' festival last year, and I said uh, to some of the other writers, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And someone like. Children dressed up as my characters, and one of them goes, "Oh yeah, it's so great!" But you wait till you get your book made as a cake. And she had oh. like a she had like a book launch, and someone had made a cake for her that was oh. the cover of her book. And I was like, "Now I have new goals." Wow, wow, that is so cool! I want someone Isn't to make it? one of my posters into a cake. Hmm, I'll do my best. It may not no. survive the journey. <laughs> But I'll give it a crack. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Oh, no, it looks like one of my shows. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And uh, if you could thank Adele for helping us out with the live show as well. Oh, great, she, great. She was loved and people, I think she might have some new fans. Oh, that's exciting to know. She'll be very unimpressed, I'm sure. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get more fantastic messages like Michelle, conqueror of canyons, people telling us either their proudest moment or their greatest shame, the things that keep you awake at night. Yeah, absolutely. We we do have one already from <gasps> Linda Moulton, so I'll keep that in the back pocket for next time. Excellent. But more, please, send them through. Uh, thank you very much, Cal. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm giving you some spares for if you ever, like, do more episodes where I don't thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm just giving you th – oh, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for having me. That's if uh, one of the cats was on because that's what the cats sound like. Thank you for doing that. That's what they sound like. Um, oh, look, I've lost my mind. It's probably best to stop. Next up is Dave Thornton talking about the wrap-up of the NBA Finals. Look, I know some of you might not be basketball fans or maybe even sporting fans in general, but I think the NBA is a genuinely fascinating league and what they've managed to deliver with the finals during COVID, 
I think it's pretty amazing. And that's even before we get to someone like LeBron James, who is one of the most articulate, brilliant, polarizing and charismatic athletes in the world. I think he's an extraordinary man and it's uh, it's it's been fascinating to watch him over the years grow from a teenage boy into a, a leader. So that's why I wanted to throw some more NBA chat in here. If you've never been a fan of the NBA or you're not really across it, uh, hopefully we will talk about it in a way that at the very least will be entertaining and at worst Maybe it will pique your curiosity and you'll go and check out some of uh, some of the stuff out there. Anyway, you know what? It also gives me an opportunity to catch up with Thorno, which is always a treat. Thorno is like one of my good friends from Melbourne that I don't get to see too often these days. So good to chat to him. And once again, let's let's just get to it. Let's bring that handsome arsehole onto the podcast right now. <laughs> So the NBA finally came to a halt. It feels like this season's been going for maybe 18 months. Has it been going 18 months? It's been close to 18. It's been a year, right? Yeah, Hamo. It feels like it because it went on hiatus. And then like so many sport leagues around the world, they're like, all right, now we can go. We figured out. We can create a bubble. And then they just went like the NRL and the AFL. and, And they just put so many games together so often. It was a little bit of putting your relationship through um, a small trial separation <laughs> where so many people are into sport and their partner's like, is this still on? And you're like, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to catch up. And it's funny. I couldn't believe I'm saying this, but there are just some commentators I don't need to hear for six months and it's not their fault, <laughs> but I just heard so much. Like I was even getting sick of Mark Jackson Mama, there goes that man. I like how how many men can go that way and why do you keep talking to your mum? Like this is too much. I mean, you you know, as people we, all we have is this, which is broadcasting and performing, for better or worse. And then you get players and they're great players and then they get given a golden microphone because if you're a great player, you will become a broadcaster. But then these guys that have catchphrases that aren't great and they have him and Chris Webber are both guilty of it's almost like a Michael Caine, you know, Michael Caine stopped after three words. He used to, he would talk and then pause and then say something else. And that's how Michael Caine had built a career. (laughs) And Chris Webber and Mark Jackson, exactly the same. They're like, right. What's happening right now is a player is on the wing and he's going to pass it to the post. And you're like, oh, mate, this is like getting um, a telegram in the wild, wild west. They're stopping after every third (laughs) syllable. Just roll, just roll with it. I did find Jeff Van Gundy to be, he was still pretty funny for me because I, I could feel like he was just getting to a point where whoever he was commentating with, they would say something. And if he just disagreed, he would just say, nah, <laughs> he would just be a, a, a wall blocking that line of conversation. But it was really funny, I thought. Don't you think he's like the commentating version of Woody Allen? He would just find himself being very neurotic about things that didn't really matter, but I found them really hilarious because in these passages of play where he should be concentrating on it, he's still talking about a gaffe from four minutes ago and it has some convoluted outcome that he's like, oh, no one scores points for 10 minutes. They should have to walk around with their pants off. It's like he's got these weird things that he's concluded to in his brain. 
I'd, I'd love to have seen him commentating with his brother. That would have been neuroses overload, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I'm, I'm curious uh, what your highlight was. I'm going to give you three things to choose from. Was the highlight LeBron James winning another championship? Was it Jimmy Butler finally stepping up to be considered a proper superstar? Or was it J.R. Smith taking off his shirt after winning a championship that he did nothing for. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I think, why he was on that side. They're like, just sit in the corner until we win, and then you can do all the Instagram posts you want. Yeah, we we need someone to take their shirt off, and it's quite clearly not going to be Caruso, so JR. (laughs) I was going to say, mate, my top three is that, is Caruso taking his shirt off. For people who don't know, the whitest man ever. And he's kind of pretty stacked, but he's got this funny pinhead and he's got premature balding. He's 24 and he's got the hairline of a 65-year-old and he is going nuts. And I've noticed because I followed him on Instagram, he's selling his own merch, which is even better. (laughs) He's really capitalizing on this. (laughs) Tommy Dasselow's looking at his hairline thinking, fuck, that's rough. (laughs) He's... Like, like, he is the he is the human version of those hairless cats that some people like at home. But it's funny though, like he had a he had a great final series. Like it was a it was a winning move putting him in the starting five for Game Six, uh, amongst all those massive oak of men. And there's little Caruso really kicking some ass. Don't you think it's all expectations, Hammer? It's like if you see a beast like Dwight Howard who's stacked. And he's been a bit of a disappointment lately because he doesn't, he whinges, he seems to screw up team chemistry, all these things. And you're like, oh man, you could have been so much better because you expect the best out of a beast that's six foot 10 and built like an Adonis. Caruso, it's like, I expected you to be at the stadium, but serving me uh, the soft drink and pie that I've just bought. And yet you're on the court. So you're like, this is incredible. Everything you do has exceeded my expectations. He is going to be the pin-up boy for uh, little white fellas who are a bit doughy and receding hairlines all across the world. He can can make the NBA. I can do it. Also, mate, what was really good was Tyler Hero, which is he plays for Miami, got drafted. He's 20 years old, and he played an unbelievable series. And it's for men of our vintage hammo, isn't it inspiring yet deflating to know a man that pretty much half our age. Well, he's exactly half my age. (laughs) <laughs> well, he he could be my son. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Man, I, I hope that. I see Dave Simmons sitting in the crowd when he's watching Ben Simmons play, and I think you've got it made. If you were his dad, I'd love it. They'd always cut to Hamo. You'd be sitting there drunk. Going, <laughs> <laughs> I would be wrapped. I would actually be pretty wrapped, especially with the snarl on Hero as well. You know, when he had that massive game and they, the camera caught him snarling, and it's like, oh, he's got a bit of dog in him. It's fantastic. Yeah, and he got taken under the wing of Jimmy Butler, who just seems like he's divisive, Jimmy Butler, but I really have liked him through these final series, and he's took him under his wing and says he works really hard, and it showed, man. It was initially through the playoffs, you thought, oh, this kid's having a couple of good games, but you're like, no, this is consistently playing exceptionally, not just good, exceptionally. Yeah. And it's exciting, isn't it? Like, when you get a young fella, like, we've had LeBron for... Is it 17 seasons now? Yeah, uh, 16, like 17 seasons. And then what you hope is when you see someone like a Tyler Hero or a, 
uh, like Bam for Miami, you look at those guys and you hope that with some good luck, and uh, meaning they don't get injured, wow, I might have them for the next 12 to 15 years in my life playing good basketball as well. And that's a, that's a really exciting prospect. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I was listening to a really good podcast with Chris Dudley, who is uh, Chris. Uh, um, no, not Chris. Chris Dudley played in the nineties. Jared Dudley. Uh, he played for the Lakers, but he's sitting on the bench, but he's a really good locker room guy, as they say. And the stories he's got is on the Bill Simmons podcast about living in the bubble, about living. They said it was like being in college again, because you're hanging out in your rooms. You're all eating together. You're all, I mean, it's like college with millionaires because then when they win, they drink Grange and because <laughs> LeBron supposedly loves his wine, which makes me love LeBron more. And so it sounds, I mean, as much as this is all testing us, all these lockdowns and they said it did test you. It sounds kind of cool. Like three months hanging out with your mates, just playing basketball and partying. I reckon if you were single, it probably would have been, much better because I could imagine the pressure of having to look after your family and keep an eye on things back home. And you couldn't be having too much fun when you have those phone calls, right? You've been on the road. You're having a good time. You ring home. It's not that good. That's the important thing to do. It can never be that good. <laughs> Just know to all of my mates and all my comic mates when I'm on tour, I have to throw you under the bus. I have to, when I call home to Nikki, I go, yeah, they're really great. And I mean, if I've got to be honest, while they're trying to figure out, tr- figure out tea time, you know, when we can go on the golf course and you're like, oh, it's just really been, uh, it's been tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than happy to be the guy that uh, all my friends get annoyed at to their wives or to their husbands or whatever, just to uh, make sure everything's fine. Oh, fucking hammer. I won't stop talking. He just wants to keep doing things. Oh yeah. That sounds terrible. And then I'll be at the door going, let's go. <laughs> well, I'm ready. I've noticed mates in relationships where it, I knew for one of my friends, I was the guy that he blamed it all on. Cause his partner right. would always be like, Oh, it's, oh what's well, so Dave's going to turn up and we know how this night will turn. And I, I never said that to his partner, but when I got him in his quiet times, I'm like, Hey, this is all your decision. I come here to have like a reasonable night and you're the one that always goes overboard and yet I'm the fall guy. And now that I've got kids and things, I'm like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Someone has to be a scapegoat. (laughs) Yeah. I used to, I completely uh, relate to that. Like, because uh, being the, the single guy and catching up with friends, I do often go over to, you know, just relax. Like often I'm pretty keen to catch up with the partners and the kids and everything. And I, when I get there, it's like, all right, let's close the door. We're going out. We're going to drink everything. And it's like, oh no, no, I'm not up for this, but I'm their let's go crazy card. And that's the thing that's going to kill me. I always say that's um, when you're going on a bucks day, it's the guys who are in relationships who you have to look out for. They're the, they're the liabilities. The single guys are like, I'll pace myself because I've actually got something on after this. So the guys are in relationships are like, I've been waiting six months for this. I am going to tear myself in you asshole. And you're like, oh, mate, I'm going to have to put you in a cab at three and pass the cab a hundred bucks and go, whatever gets smashed or vomited on, a, that's just going to pay for I'm, it. I'm so sorry. And when you say three, you mean 3 p.m. too because <laughs> yeah. they, yeah. they crash quickly. <laughs> yes. the, the last Bucks party I went to... Some of the behaviour of the other men there was enough to make me look at them a little bit differently. 
where I was just a bit, I don't know about you anymore. (laughs) I don't dislike you, but that behaviour was too much. I agree with you. I've had so many moments where I'm like, just there shouldn't be this bigger collection of one gender. It shouldn't too much. It shouldn't exist. It should not exist. Yeah, I do not feel very comfortable in that situation. And I I guess that probably wore everyone down in the bubble as well because the only women that would have been there would have been, you know, you've got your Rachel Nichols, journalists like that, but they're off elsewhere. I don't think there's many women on the staff. Like the San Antonio Spurs have uh, Becky, is it Becky Hammond? Yeah, the assistant coach, yeah. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, apart from some journalists, I don't think there were... It would have been a testosterone fest. I agree. I'd heard the little things, which makes complete sense. It would turn a bit Lord of the Flies because when you win and you celebrate, happy days. Who doesn't enjoy that? But then when you lose, and Jared Dudley was talking about this, where when Miami won, they would then have nights and they're playing karaoke and having a ball. And you'd be like, Will you get it 100% again? Because you would just hate watching when you lose. So that would be an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a funny thing, isn't it? Because you don't consider that. Like normally, you're you lose and you go home and you get it out of your system. But watching the people get off the bus as you pull up at the same time, it's a bit like like you don't want to be a dick, but you also like, what do you do? Oh, yeah, good game. Like, it's Yeah. And also, you talk about that sport bubble regardless. Like, people, because you get paid a lot of money and there's a lot of fandom going around, you live in some kind of a different sphere. But it's literally a bubble. They talked about there's photos of the teams when they've come out of the bubble and you realise they haven't been in the general populace for months. Like, you've got the internet, you know what's going on, but you haven't stepped foot out in the almost real world. They've been in Disneyland, literally in Disneyland, for three months. For three months. But I would say it was a success. Did you think, like, I thought the games were high quality and I thought the production was fantastic and I thought I thought they really nailed it considering how badly it could have gone. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things were in their favour. It's an indoor sport, so obviously that's easier to have a bubble. Literally, there is a roof over your head and there's a place to be. It isn't, there isn't a lot, a lot of people on the team. You know, AFL's what, 18 people. NFL, I think there's 22 to a side. You've only got five people aside. There's not as many people to move around logistically. Uh, the court's not huge. It's not an oval. It's not a field. It's just a court. So all those things are in their favor. And I also think NBA's, we talked about this in the last pod, it's one of the most progressive, socially progressive leagues in the world. So they understood the health ramifications. They understood the social ramifications. You know, it wasn't just a money grab. They're like, right, these things are at the fore, not just we need to play because this is a business that needs to be rolled out. I thought they did a good job. Yeah, I thought it was great as well. The uh, I was really curious about uh, LeBron, you know, when he got the MVP and he gave his speech at the end and he said, you know, show me some goddamn respect. And there was a part of me at first that was like, well, oh, I think everyone respects you. And then I thought about it over the last 10 years. And considering he, in the last, what, 10 of the last 11 years or nine of the last 10 years, something like that, he's been in the finals. And we consistently, oh, is Steph Curry the best player now? Oh, I think Kevin Durant is now the best player. Oh, you know who the best player is? It's Kawhi Leonard. But the thing that's really interesting about that is it's always compared to LeBron. He's the one constant. And so therefore he is 
like he's obviously the best and maybe he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Yeah, man. And it's this weird, is he the best of all time compared to Jordan? Who is the best? And you're like, well, I don't know. It feels like an argument of which do you prefer Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Like they're both great. And all you're doing is sullying what's happening in front of you right now, which you're not appreciating that he's unbelievable, has been unbelievable consistently for 17 years. And it, it's freaky what he pulls off. And I agree with you initially. I was like, oh, what do you have to go and say that for? But I was like, no, wait a minute. He puts up with this all the time. He's diplomatic to a fault all season. And then finally, when you win, you would go, nah, I know who you are. Go screw yeah. I, I won. So, <laughs> ha ha. And I'm like, yeah, he deserves that. And his statistics were phenomenal. Like you compare them to 2016 when he won the MVP and they were better. Like he was more efficient. He was, I think he may have been scoring slightly more on a team where he didn't have to score as much. It was, it was pretty phenomenal to watch someone who is a genius at what they do just put it all out there on the court for our entertainment. Yeah. And, and like all the things that come into play, uh, they talked about his hyperbaric, hyperbaric, is that how you say it? The chamber that you go into and you let your body recover and he's constantly doing that and keeping his body in a condition that is exceptional, unbelievable. And the grind and he said 17 years like that, like not to be 17 years at any job is hard enough. <laughs> like people, people after a few years ago, want to do something different with my life. He's just kept at it. And it's all the things he's cerebral physically. He's uh, an anomaly. He's quick, he's big, he's strong. It's a, it is unbelievable that that all comes yeah. together and he produces what he does. Do you really want to have a sleep in a hyperbaric chamber? Like, it sounds like you come out of it pretty goddamn refreshed. It sounded really good. It does, but don't you think... I'm so glad LeBron does it because the amount of people that have claimed to have done it that you go, Ooh. like, you know, oh, Michael Jackson sleeps in it. Well, that's not a W for, yeah. for their PR. <laughs> It's constantly people that you go, why are you hiding? Like you feel like Epstein yeah. would also, we would have slept in one. You're like, why, why yeah. are you hiding? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but you know, LeBron's going into his hyperbaric chamber. And the other thing that I never realized was that he has someone who stretches him first thing in the morning. Does he? Yeah. So he gets, so he's got a, I guess that's a, a masseuse. Is that, or is there a, stretchy title i don't know mr fantastic but uh but he gets up and immediately because he puts a million dollars every year into his physical well-being yeah and so so he has chefs he has all of that but he has someone who works through all the 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 muscles and uh you know the aches and pains every morning when he gets up and it's like imagine like imagine how that feels that must he must feel great oh mate I've like I turned forty at the end of last year, and I have to all all cliches have come true. Like I find myself just noises come out when you're bending down to just to get something. To have someone like that to just stretch you up, get you working in the morning, you'd think this is living. Oh, I would be totally into that. And the thing is, is that do you feel like maybe this is the beginning of something with this Lakers team because? LeBron doesn't look like he's going to slow down in the next three or four years, barring, you know, an, an injury. And considering he's only had one season where he's even had a minor injury that kind of knocked him out. And Anthony Davis is 
what's he? He's like 27. Yeah. And they could actually probably get some better players than they had this year. Yeah, because I also think once you win and when free agents become available, they say, well, yeah. I want to join you because I want to win. And that's the yeah. way that the culture works now. And so I think that's completely possible. But next year, it will be interesting because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were obviously injured for the Brooklyn Nets and they come back, yeah. who were just as exceptional a talent as LeBron and AD in their own particular way. So there's that. Um, you got the Splash some... Brothers coming back. you got Steph and Clay. Yep. yep, all those things. But you're right. I think for LA, A, people turn up to LA because it's still despite the fact the internet's around and you can get a profile living anywhere, they could have they could have a team in Anchorage in Alaska and you're still going to have a high-profile player. But, but LA is the home of Hollywood, which, is, which means you can get advertising dollars, you can, be, you can be in movies, you date a model. Like, it's all happening. And so people will still turn up there. So, yeah, I think they need to pick up some other players to make sure that they're in the position to win next year. But it puts them in good stead. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Well, you know, as an LA fan, I'm pretty excited by that. Uh, What about Miami? I felt a bit sorry for Miami because I think the game, uh, having losing Goran essentially for the series and Bam's injury, uh, I thought they still played them pretty tough and I wonder if it would have been uh, a closer result. Like, you know, 4-2 isn't anything to sneeze at, but... That Miami team was tough, and I, I I felt a bit bad for them that we didn't get to see them at their best. Yeah, I agree. Anytime injuries are the result or, or, or affect the result of a final series, it's always a letdown. It's like, no, I want the heavyweights to go toe-to-toe at the top of their game. I want to see that. But, yeah, it was disappointing, but I think they're in a similar position where then people go, oh, I want to live there because Florida, I suppose there's no state tax that helps when you're a gazillionaire. Uh Miami's seems like a cool city to hang out. Well, at least a cool city for probably if you're 23 and you're loaded. So that helps. And I mean, I like their team. I think they do have a good team. I heard someone describe them as like Golden State Light, where Bam was like Draymond Green. You've got shooters around him that aren't as good as Steph and Clay, but good enough. And again, Jimmy Butler, I think he won people over. Like it seemed like he burnt some bridges with teams by saying they don't know, want to win. And then when he joined Miami, you know, oh, no, actually, I think you were right. I, I think you were right. That was the, yeah. It's so funny, isn't it? Like I always thought he was a bit of a malcontent, you know, at all these other clubs, and then he gets with Miami, and you and I had exactly the same thing, which was, ah, oh, sorry, man, I should have listened to you. You were right. All those other teams are fucking dumpster fires, and have proven that every time he's left, they've they've collapsed in on themselves in some different way. And now he's finally with a team where everyone's really working hard and you go, wow, he's really flourishing. He looks like he'd be great fun. Whereas before I would have thought, Jesus, who wants to hang around Jimmy Butler? It feels like when you listen to these successful teams, it's like one of those weird offices you hear about in podcasts where people say, no, no, we are completely transparent about constructive criticism. We give everyone with both barrels to their face and that's how they improve. <laughs> Cause as right. I get older, I realize I like to think of myself when I was younger as a really, maybe, you know, a person who can take <clears throat> uh, criticism and whatnot. As I get older, I'm like, no, I'm not like that. I'm probably overly sensitive. And so if I was in that environment, I would fold like a deck chair. When these guys all give it, they go, you need to get better at this. If you're not going to get better, you're out of the team. You're out of the rotation. And people respond. 
And I know yep. I wouldn't hammer. I would be in there going, why were you so harsh to me? That, that sounds like, that's really hurtful. I just need two yeah. weeks to myself. Yeah, fuck you, LeBron. You're not my real dad. And then I'd storm out. <laughs> that's <laughs> what gone. I'd be like. I'd be like, yeah, I didn't train. You know, I didn't train. You should know why I didn't train, okay? And if you don't yeah. know, that's worse. Yeah. Considering I haven't read reviews for like 10 plus years, uh, <laughs> I reckon I would fold too when LeBron told me off for not being good enough. <laughs> Um, did you see the news today about Daryl Morey living, uh, leaving the Houston Rockets, uh, which is interesting considering he he ended up, for people who don't know, he criticised China. And what he had to say about China was pretty fair enough. It, it wasn't like he said anything controversial. He just pointed out some facts. And then that cost the NBA and specifically the Houston Rockets hundreds of millions of dollars because China did what China does now, which is, uh, guess what? We're pulling out and we're going to do things our way. And so now he has left this Houston Rockets team, which is, that is a dumpster fire right there. And I'm I'm curious, what, what do you think happens next for Darren? What do you reckon happens with the Houston Rockets? Well, weirdly too, Houston is China's team because Yao Ming used to play for them, who was the number one Chinese player ever so far. And they also strangely have red and white uniforms uh, and red and yellow uniforms, which is obviously the colour of the Chinese flag. So they became this proxy Chinese team. And then he said that. And as you said, they went, all oh, right, then we're cutting all ties. And the NBA went, so oh, so no, carry on. I don't care yeah. about humanitarian issues, whatever. Yeah. And we're, we're too busy dealing with our own shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Mate, he's funny because in so many sports now, you have statisticians and people that they call it money ball where they come in and they look at all the numbers and say, this is the right thing to do. However, so many times in sports, that money ball thing doesn't work, especially in American sports because you play seven game series, which means if you work a certain way in your offense, in any sport really, the defense goes, oh, cool, then we'll just react accordingly. And if you can't adjust, you don't, you aren't successful. And that's what happened with Houston. He constantly played by the numbers and said, three-point shots are the best thing, no mid-range and only layups, and then people defended that. And then they went, oh, we didn't win. And Yeah. <laughs> I'd never really thought of it that way. Like, everyone knew their game plan. Yeah, and they like, don't adjust. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, and I find them painful to watch, Houston, for that simple reason. It's just predictable, and it's terrific, and it's, you know, Golden State would notoriously move the ball so fast that if you're a basketball fan, or even a person who wasn't a basketball fan, you're like, aesthetically, that looks amazing. It's a team sport with ball just pings around and it moves and all these things. And Houston was just, it, you could see it coming. It was the same plays all the time and they kept hitting a brick wall. So I understand that. I think if he, well, it makes you wonder if he did get pushed, but they said, you can say you can quit to keep up appearances. But I felt like, he kept hitting a brick wall, wasn't getting through it. I mean, that's sport. That's business. Yeah, it's been 15 years. He's been there for 15 years, and they they got close, and they've had they've had success. Like they've been a successful club, but they haven't they haven't hit that championship. So it feels like got to try something new. What'll be interesting is trying to convince James Harden that 27 dribbles at the top of the key to take a step back three for most of the offense is probably not going to get it done. Yeah. And we live in a, I think an era now where it's either you either go for the win or bust so you can get draft picks. It's like this range of, Oh, we're doing all right. We win a couple of games and we do okay in the playoffs, but we don't win. It's like, well, that's you're in no man's land. You either 
You can be on the ascension looking like, oh, this is going to head somewhere and we're going to be in contention for trophies or bottom out, rebuild, see where you can do it. If you were a GM, what would you do? Would you would you be someone who wanted to get a lot of young players and, and build through the draft? Or would you be swapping those draft picks as far into the future as you possibly could to land players that you knew their record? Yeah, I, I'm trying to... I'm just maybe even looking up now. I want to know James Harden. I think he's an unbelievable player, but I do think he's been taught to play the wrong way. He's 31 years old. So he's still got, I would say, three good years in him. Now, if you said to him, all right, you've got to stop. You've got to start moving the ball like you used to when you were younger. You've got to start taking other shots other than a three-pointer that you've just stared down your defender with for 20 seconds or a layup. Then I would move and then put the players around him. I think it's still possible. I just think the way that they were playing was bad for bad as a spectator and it doesn't win. So... If you could change that, I'd give that two seasons. And then if that doesn't work, James Harden, you're off. We're selling you to China to say sorry. I've got a couple more questions for you. When do you think the NBA will be back? Because it felt like from the bits and pieces I've heard with players and coaches, essentially they really want fans back. Like I think it was very weird to be playing without anyone there and of course from a financial point of view that is important to to replenish everything that all these teams have lost do do you see it coming back in january or do you think we'll be march april depending on vaccines etc that's interesting isn't it whether you forego this season this one coming up and go right we'll restart it's supposed to be September, October. Maybe we just bite the bullet, scrap that one and go to the next one. Because a lot of it will depend on who gets voted in as president. Not to put too fine a point on it, but if Biden gets voted in, you would think there will be health changes that can possibly head towards a direction of the country working through this COVID situation. Because there is nothing other than, well, it doesn't really exist and... It's just a flu. That's what you're getting from the Trump administration. So I don't know how you then open your country up to mass gatherings with that attitude. I I don't know. So I guess, what is it, three weeks away or something, their federal election? So I guess you would wait for that. Would you not if you're Adam Silver, if you're the guy running the show? Yeah, I think so. I think that's actually a really good point. You'd wait to see who's in charge, who you can work with. Uh, You know, it's, it's fascinating because you're seeing... I think we're going to see some major changes in everyday life. Like it looks like, it looks like uh, the collapse of cinema is upon us. Where now, mm-hmm. you know, like I've been reading stuff where, you know, if you're Disney, why would you? Why would you even care? You've got the Disney app, so you can just for a little bit extra, you can put the new Marvel movie or you can put the new Pixar movie and you can just put it on the app and people have big TVs and they have really good sound systems. And so they'll just get used to not going to the cinema even more so. And then you're already seeing uh, big chains closing down. And through that, you know, once they shut down for a while, they don't they don't reopen. Like yeah. the majority of them are now gone and with everyone kind of running scared and the emphasis placed on the first 
opening weekend of a box office declaring whether a movie is a success or not. You know, that's just kind of changed uh, the way we uh, experience things and view things. And I, I wonder, you can't, like, how long can you not bring the NBA back with without money coming in? Like, I wonder if some of those smaller franchises like the Oklahoma uh, cities and, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota, I wonder if those clubs would be in a lot of trouble if they don't get to reopen sooner rather than later. It's a really good point. I mean, it's heartbreaking about the theatres, but you're right, unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know how you open those things up. Is it a state-by-state state thing? I mean, as some states, because they're in the same situation as Australia, you've got these almost colonies that are now trying to figure their own shit out before they open up to the other states. But how about I throw this out you, and I've just thought of this now, so it's just in the beta version, Hammer. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> but... If here in Melbourne, we pull it off, we basically keep numbers down to zilch. We're getting to summer, so maybe we can eradicate it. Maybe. And maybe us in New Zealand. We then get all the NBA players across here. They can they can play here. Like, our biggest stadiums. Rod Laver, you know, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Sydney stadiums, all those ones. Uh, Gabba, whatever it is. Not only do we get to watch it, do they get to walk around freely and be treated like gods. Like when we get imports to the NBL, <laughs> they sire children. And I say sire that because they look like thoroughbreds. <laughs> Our boomer squad in 2040 is all the kids of these NBA stars. Oh, I'm loving all of this. <laughs> and we, we are now the basketball capital of the world. Yeah, well, I'm totally up for all of this. Totally up for all of it, you know. I love the idea of games at the Gabba. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think that'd be... As if you wouldn't. As if you wouldn't go to the Gabba. I I went to the game at the Rod Laver Arena where they opened uh, the roof, and that was exciting. Yeah. Imagine watching basketball at the Gabba. (laughs) They would would love it. They They would genuinely... You know, they love, oh, they're so easy going. These arses, all that gear. You know, like Lebr- Le- oh, LeBron can go to every vineyard he wants. We just open up South Australia and say, do you want it? Like, do you, you, yeah. you, you have it. You can have it. Like, it's, it's yours. Have, have, have Adelaide. I'd, uh, I'd be wrapped if uh, LeBron took Adelaide under his, uh, under his wing. Um, just, and finally, with, with the NBA next year, like when it, when it comes back, what, what are you hoping for? for the next season? Because now we have we have LeBron looking like, you know, getting closer to the Jordan total of uh, six championships. Uh, LeBron's now got four. Are you looking forward to Clay and Steph coming back and seeing how Golden State can compete? Are you curious about the Clippers? Do you think New York will hopefully win 20 games? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Knicks fan. and I, oh, just, I know. Oh, God. Um <laughs> Yeah, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm looking forward to Brooklyn to, uh, for KD and Kyrie coming back to Brooklyn to see how they're going to go. Oh, you know, it was honestly my wish, mate, is that the Sixers dealt away Al Horford back to the Celtics because I think the Celtics are one mobile centre away from being a dominant squad. And I think Al Horford bit the bullet. He went because Kyrie, from what I gathered, is interesting to play with. But if only he'd known that Kyrie was going to go, he could stick around. I think they'd be an amazing squad. Yes, Golden State have got the second pick in the draft. So they've not only got that, they've got all their great players coming back. So maybe even they deal that player to get a more uh, established veteran 
to so that they can come back uh, and look amazing. Uh, so all these things, whether Miami can find another player and get over that hump and remain as good the, as they were this season, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, the uh, the intel like the the rumor stuff this morning was that they are not even pretending that they're not going all in for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, it's it's tough with Giannis because I think I think he's an absolute gun player. I think the Bucks are a trade away from being awesome. They've got to get rid of Eric Bledsoe, get a good point guard with Giannis. Well, I who like did to... they let go? They let Brogdon uh, Brogdon go to Stupid. India. Like that was. That's insane. I agree. It was a stupid move, a really stupid move by the Bucks. And I like to think with the honest because a lot of these players now, they come up from AAU, they get they're in college for one season. So they don't have a loyalty to a squad. And I get that. That's fine. You've got a loyalty to a paycheck. You want to win, you want to get paid, you want it all. But I think with Giannis, because he grew up in Greece and not well off, and like it was probably so far from his uh, initial expectations that he was going to be drafted into the NBA, let alone be the best player. I think he really feels indebted to the Bucks. So I think in that capacity, he would stay, like the odds of him staying are much higher than I think an American player because they don't have as much gratitude. They're not bred. And I don't blame them. Again, I think the system doesn't make you loyal, but I think he would more so. So I'm hoping he stays with the Bucks just for that reason. And they do, they're only a trade away, I reckon, yeah. from getting over the hump. Yeah, and maybe, like, once again, a really good coach who's really good during the regular season. But I think what we saw in this playoffs, you need a coach who can think on his feet and just make little adjustments here and there that you're not expecting to keep the opposition, you know, out of balance kind of thing. And then, uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's Coach Bud. He's just, no, this is how we play, and this has been successful during the season. And he just needs to find, he needs a bit of jazz in his life. You know, just a little bit of playing off the notes. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I think they are a point guard away because they've got, they know how to stop on the other end. They've got Middleton, who's a second scorer behind Giannis in case he's being double teamed. They've got all that. It's just the point guard position where they can't defend it. They don't get scoring from that again if the other two are taken care of. Because that's what you need. You can have those two gun players. But in final series, quite often to shut those guys down isn't, I shouldn't say that hard. It's just that that's what the defences will focus on. So you need that third and fourth person who isn't afraid, but also doesn't want to be top dog. You don't want that <laughs> yes. ego coming in saying, but I am the best player. No, you're not. No, 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 no. Irrational confidence is good to a certain extent. Yeah, know your place. Stay in your lane. You know what I mean? But I reckon, if they get, I reckon Chris Paul could be, if they could get Chris Paul and he could, what he did with Oklahoma City this year, I'm like, you could get the Bucks, and he wants a championship, obviously. So I think that could work, and that would be exciting if they did, if they got him. I think he'd be wrapped to get past the second round, wouldn't he? Like he's yeah. that weird, great player that has never really had the playoff success, and you, you feel bad for him. Like I'm not even a big Chris Paul fan, but I, great players deserve to go far. You know, you want to see them on the biggest stage, and... He's just always been falling a little bit short, hasn't he? Or maybe the Western Conference Finals is the furthest he's gone with that Houston team uh, up against Golden State a few years ago when he tore his hamstring. Yeah, and I think, mate, he as he's gotten older, I've appreciated him more because you can think, oh, well, we're not, this guy's not going to be around forever. And secondly, 
he stopped whinging as he's gotten older. I actually never liked it when he was at the Clippers and he would just whinge at every call. And you're like, every call can't be against you. And he, he does, him and Harden sit in that same area. Where I'm like, just don't play for fouls. I liked watching Jimmy Butler when he would go stronger the rack and you're like, he knows he's going to get fouled, but he's not playing for the foul. When you watch that, it's the equivalent of soccer players falling over when their ankles tapped. You're like, don't, don't do that. Just like, you know, there's going to be contact, but don't play for it. Yeah. It's ugly. It's a, it's an ugly way to play sport. Yeah. Ugly. Uh, That's right. I had a, uh, I'll, I'll let you go in a sec, but I have to tell you, I had a really good Monday and it was a unique Monday in that the Lakers beat Miami in the NBA finals. And it was, uh, that last game was a thrashing. So five minutes in, I was like, oh, we've got this. So I could just sit there and not feel any anxiety. I could just enjoy it. And Rafael Nadal thrashed Djokovic in the French Open final. And those two sports never match up. And to have that in one day was a little bit like, well, I'm done for sport for the year. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's been an awful year in many ways, but this has been a cracking day and I'm not watching any sport after this. (laughs) Mate, it feels like that because I'm into the AFL. Geelong absolutely destroyed Collingwood. And then, yeah, Miami was still playing in the finals. So that was on the Saturday. Miami won to push it to six games. And you're right. It's this weird maelstrom of we had nothing and now you've got everything. <laughs> it feels like it's the global warming of sport. You're like, oh, God, it's either, it's either 40 degrees or it's thunderstorms. It's, 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 oh, it's really, really getting thrown around here. You're completely right. And, then, uh, and I guess we'll probably not have anything. Like uh, cricket's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? It's like, yeah, and I, I think South Africa's pulled out of the rugby championships. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cricket, you also think that there's not a better sport to be socially distanced by. <laughs> you don't... Right. You're like, I think that's... Shouldn't we all be living like we're a cricket team? Like, you just right. go over there, stand in that field on your own. <laughs> you know, and even uh, even when the, the batsmen who are the closest to each other, they are wrapped up. They're not touching anything. <laughs> That's so true. It's like, I mean, yeah. What's another piece of protection? Stick a mask on. Who cares? Yeah, no one will notice. It'll be fine. So, (laughs) hey, uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast. How uh, can people find you uh, during uh, during the lockdown? Are you you're still pretty active on the socials? Yeah, mate. What else have we got? But the. the little oxytocin hit of getting a like on one of your posts. That's all we do now. We can't go in a room with people who laugh, especially here in Melbourne. So yeah, at Dave underscore Thorno. I'm obviously on Facebook as well. So Twitter, Instagram, I've laid off TikTok. Who knows if China gets all of our information, but I'm not on there. So uh, all the other socials are there. Get in contact with me if they're, especially people here in Melbourne. I think old Danny A is about to throw out some uh, restriction loosenings as of recording in about four days, but you know, if, if the Zoom gigs are still going, I'm always happy to do them just to cheer up your uh, your office. Yeah, that's a great idea. And uh, anyone who's looking for some entertainment would do themselves a real favour if they got in touch with you. Uh, great to see you, Dave, and say hello to everyone for me down there. Yeah, we'll do, mate. Big thank you to Cal and Dave for joining me for this episode. Next week, Ben Elwood returns and we are discussing The Dark Knight Rises. So hopefully if you're re-watching, like I know a few of you are doing, uh, you've got a bit of time to 
get that under your belt if you haven't already. Uh, remember, we suddenly have a little competition on the Big Squid Facebook page. Honestly, didn't think it through. You could win something cool off my desk. And all you have to do is throw some guesses my way. All you have to do, remember, is to guess who you think the next director is that we're going to be covering after we finish our Nolan rewatch. Have I said it on another podcast? Oh, God. I've been doing so many different things. I wonder if I'll just get to the page and you'll all have guessed correctly because I've already talked about it. No, I couldn't have. Or maybe I have. Ugh. Why is everything getting so complicated? You know what? It's the first person who guesses. So if I've already mentioned it, just make sure you're first. Anyway. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To finish off, let's combine sport and entertainment with this quote from Sylvester Stallone. It ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward because you know I'm in your corner. Until then. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.